You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Glad to have you back with us. Uh, you know, As I say, I'm back in the saddle with me, if you will, Queen, but appreciate you for being with us. If you will, before we introduce our special guest, Say hello to the intellectual outcast, the way that I now refer to those out there listening, uh, if you will, our intellectual outcast out there listening, the smartest audience in all of radio. Introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background before we introduce our guest. Sure. I'm happy to be here as well, Montoya. I'm Latrice Ross, and I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. Um, it's work that I've been doing for nearly 15 years. And um, what that means is that I work with organizations, companies, to ensure that all of their employees are treated equitably and that they have equitable access to opportunity. No, love it. Our special guest really needs no introduction, although he's worn many hats over the years. Uh, He is uh, now the founder of Grow Dialogue, uh, doing big things with that, Dr. Sanjata returns with us before we let the cat out the bag on the discussion question. Thank you, brother, for being with us again. If you will, say hello to the intellectual outcast out there listening and give a little more of your background and breakdown, you know, grow dialogue, if you will. And I think it fits even in this discussion because uh, as much as I say we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, and culture, I'm willing to say you might might be the tip of my title with this, brother, uh, for what you're doing out here, man. I appreciate you for what you do, and uh, thank you for being willing to have these conversations with us. Um, Dr. Sanjata, thank you. If you will, King, go ahead and let them know who you are. Absolutely. Good morning to you, Montoya and Latrice, and good morning to all the listeners. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. As you said, I've been on many times. Um, 
But um, I, in short, I'm an anti-oppression facilitator, uh, educator, and organizer. And I do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of the ways I do it is podcasting, um, social media, content, writing. And also I have a company called Grow Dialogue that um, has gotten into the DEI space, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging uh, for corporations, business teams, and even families um, and, and, and partners and couples, et cetera, um, you know, training them on communication processes, conflict resolution, peaceful conflict resolution processes, et cetera. Uh, we even go into with the company change management, conflict resolution, leadership coaching, and collaborative culture facilitation. So, yeah, as a company, we do we do a lot of different things, but it's all rooted in authentic dialogue, which is which is at the heart of everything that we do, which just is a concept of leveraging our differences uh, to, to strengthen relationships instead of allowing our differences to cause divisiveness and division within families, communities, companies, et cetera. Nah, thank you for that. And again, just um, very appropriate for this morning's discussion, which is, for those who don't know, we do our shows in the form of a question. If you're a first-time listener, again, I go by the name Black Socrates. So just like to highlight that we take the perspective of we ask the right questions, maybe we'll get to the right answers. And I always propose that in often any areas that we do differ in, the answer is typically always in the middle. And you can really only get there if you, in a sense, learn to listen to one another. And, again, by having Dr. Sanjata as well as Matrice with that background, I think we'll be able to do that uh, even on this discussion, which this discussion question, which is LGBTQIA, how many letters do we need? LGBTQIA+, how many letters do we need, which clearly addresses the environment we're clearly in as we are starting to explore different genders, different sexual orientations. Uh, we're getting kind of a long-time discussion over the years as, as, in a sense, as our country progresses, you know, from one train of thought to a new one, and now it's being explored even more. And there's a lot of areas of, I would say, conflict that come up. And so um, I've been trying to get Dr. Shinjata on the show for a while and we're just trying to match up our schedules. And I say, hey, uh, you know, let me know when you can be on. Here's a couple of shows, and this is the one that you chose. So I'm going to start with you as a guest, Dr. Sanjata. I think you've been asked to do this before, so um, and I, I know you um, can handle it, which is just when you heard the question worded as it was worded, just tell me your initial thought without going deeper into your second and third thought. What was the initial thought that came to mind when you heard the question worded that particular way? Um my initial thought was about the people out there who would, would ask such a question and what um, what mental blocks and barriers that they have, what triggers do they have, why are so many people bothered uh, by this, these awarenesses being created, this inclusive language being created. I tend to think about those people So uh, because they're out there. We just came off Pride Month, and I've seen some, some comments that, you know, express a level of uh, discomfort in terms of, you know, uh, LGBTQIA plus people um, getting represented and included in the ways that they are currently is, is caused a lot of discomfort for folks. So my mind immediately went to them. Sounds good. Uh, Latrice, um, 
you're always down to do these conversations. So what was your initial thought when you heard the question worded that particular way, just the initial thought? We've got a couple of minutes, and then we're going to go to, to a break. So I'll let you go a little deeper if you want to. Go ahead, Queen. Um, my, when you worded it that way, my initial thought was as many as they'd like for it to be um, because it's really not about those of us who are not a part of the community. And I, I misphrased that, those who are not a part of the community because I'm one of the A's, I'm an ally. Um, but it's how members of that community deign to be recognized. And it's not for those on the outside to determine that. If we take it back, you know, and I thought about us as a black people, as a race of people, and, and the names that we've evolved from um, through the years and, and how we decided that we would own the narratives about our identity. And it's no different for the LGBTQ plus community. But I think a lot of times some folks will try to to own their narrative, take it away from them, um, simply be, because they're coming from a place of of, of lack of information or, or they're ill-informed. So those are my initial thoughts. All right. Matter of fact, um, we've got about a minute before break. Let's just do this very quickly right before the break um, for information purposes. Um, Define those letters, if you will, Latrice, for us, and then we'll go to break, if you don't mind. I'm putting you on the spot, but I know you got it. Can you hear me, Queen? Sure. The L is for lesbian. Um, the G is for gay. Um, the B is for bisexual. Um, LGBTQ. The Q is for, there are actually two Qs. One is for queer and one is for questioning. Um, I is for intersex, A is for, um, there are actually two A's, A is for ally and A is for asexual, um, LBGTQIA, <laughs> um, and then it. there are, yeah, the T is for transgender, um, but yep, there's actually a couple that we don't, um, we don't often recognize, and they are um, by, from the First Nations people. Um, and then it's 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 not it's I'm, it's not crossing my mind right now, but it's um, because they don't believe in the typical um, gender identity that we um, the norms that we we've come to adopt, and they actually have part of it. But when it comes to me, I, um, I'll bring it up. Actually, I found two, two spirit, two S's, two spirit. Yeah. Okay, got you. Uh, yeah, just like I said, just for informational purposes, I don't know if we'll end up addressing each and every one of them. Again, this is just an overall dialogue. Glad to have you both on. We're going to go to a quick break, and we will start with, in a sense, the most recent thing that I've seen come up, which is the Macy Gray discussion, and we'll play a cut of what Macy Gray said, and we'll start there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. 
Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. If I asked you what a woman is, what would you say? I would say uh, a human being with uh, boobs. How <laughs> you to start there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the dictionary is quite straightforward. It's just and a human, adult, female, yeah. right? I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your plot doesn't make you a woman. Right. Sorry. If you want me to call you a her, I will, because that's what you want. But that doesn't make you a woman just because I call you a her and just because you've had a surgery. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Dr. Sinjata from Grow Dialogue. This morning's discussion question, LGBTQIA+. How many letters do we need as we hear the quote from Macy Gray and Pierce Morgan that, in a sense, got her in a bunch of hot water um, her just saying, hey, I don't think, obviously talking about the T in out of these letters to transgenders, if you will, um, I don't think that a transgender woman getting a surgery is the equivalent of being a woman. And I've seen people give various thoughts on this. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Shinjada, as I guess. Uh, just your thoughts and hearing that quote, I don't know if you paid attention to that happening, but I think it was just earlier in the week that, she, that it became public. I don't know exactly when she said it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I wasn't aware of it until, you know, you brought it to my attention for this show. Um, however, uh, I'm not surprised. Um, and I'm not, I guess I'm not offended as someone who is uh, an ally. You know, I'm not offended because I, I know where I came from in terms of how I used to think about these things. You know, I feel like we all, people that, that are around our age, we came up in a certain era where we were taught, um, you know, a certain way about how to understand these things. And it was only through continuing to be, have open mind, continuing to learn that I gained, I gained an understanding of these things. Also meeting people who, ed, who, who informed me um, on how, you know, to, to shift my understanding of these dynamics. And these, these changes didn't happen for me until I was in my thirties and I'm in my early forties now. So, this level of awareness and understanding that I have today is not one I had for the bulk of my life. So I, I moved with a, with a level of empathy and, under, and understanding that's just ignorance because I was once ignorant. But one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, we, we grew up conflating sex, sex um, biological sex and gender as the same thing, but they're not the same. You know, so you can be born in terms of your sex, your biological sex, male if you have a penis, 
female if you have a vagina, and intersex if you have some form of both. I'll, I'll simplify by saying that there's more to intersex. Um, but when I was growing up, intersex wasn't even a part of that conversation. I, I didn't know. I, I literally maybe heard about the term hermaphrodite, and maybe in high school that came onto my radar, but it was something that I was told was like an outlier. But I've come to learn that it's something very much more common than we've been told. And some of the, the, the harm that's been done to people who are born intersex in terms of doctors, you know, choosing their gender for them uh, through surgical procedures, et cetera. But with that being said, when it comes to – so we're talking about sex that's based on genitalia. I said biological, but I'll say genitalia-based sex as well. And then there's gender. And gender expression from woman and man, that's a social construct. And that's based on a lot of things in terms of the rules and norms and in and, and terms of what society has deemed are behaviors that, quote, unquote, men do. Or let's just say if you have masculine tendencies, um, you know, that's, that's been put into the, the, the man box. And if you have feminine tendencies, that's been put in the woman box. But the reality and what I've learned is that people of all biological genitalia-based sex show up across the spectrum of genders. Naturally, they're, they're going to show up in different ways. And when I learned that and then I thought back to my youth and, my, and coming up and coming of age, there were females, people born with vaginas, who had uh, masculine characteristics and behaviors and mannerisms, et cetera, all throughout my life growing up. And on the flip side, there were people born with penises who had feminine qualities and characteristics all through my life growing up. And then sexuality, I'm not even going to bring that into the conversation because that's a whole other spectrum. So something that we grew up conflating as the same when it comes to gender, genitalia-based sex, and sexuality, there are actually three separate categories. So expanding my understanding in that way and then thinking through my life and the things that I've seen, it, it just made a lot of sense and it allowed me to evolve past my, my limited beliefs over time. Well, I appreciate those thoughts. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts in reference to, and we're going to go deeper to the basic great stuff even later, but just hearing her initial thoughts, um, Dr. Sanjata says, hey, he has, you know, empathy for her thoughts from her perspective. And, and I will go ahead and highlight um, she initially, you know, when the quote-unquote backlash started, she initially pushed back. She's now kind of moved to a, a different position and, th- you know, just to even throw that out at this moment. But just any thoughts in hearing that? I don't know if you were aware of the Macy Gray situation or whatever, but um, it, it definitely is pertinent to this conversation. Your thoughts about the uh, Macy Gray comments? Yeah, I, I was actually aware of it, and there's also one that there's also a statement made recently by Beth Midler, also who's been an ally of the LGBTQ plus community for for, for ages. Um, but she also made a trans exclusive um, statement recently. Um, when I heard it, um, I initially felt empathy towards her, and then when she pushed back, that empathy began to dissolve. Um, but when I thought about her statement, I thought about. Um, who was it? Sojourner Truth, who who made the the who created the dialogue, and ain't I a woman? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about how when Michelle Obama was the first lady, how many people um, talked about that she was um, that she she was a man or she looked masculine. And I thought about how black women are often 
um, not treated as women, even when we see police brutality. And I don't want to conflate the differences, but we have to be careful when we begin to exclude folks because at one point, and sometimes even still today, black people are still being excluded. And so um, to me, it makes more sense to become well-versed or more under, you know, well aware of things that um, make a person a woman by today's scientific standards. Um, as Dr. Sanjaya said, we, you know, we've evolved from when, when we were growing up. Um, things were, were very much binary. But now, for instance, in HR systems, HRS systems, there is a sign, there is an assigned gender category, and that's your male, female, what you were assigned at birth. And then there is your gender identity, what you identify as. And, you know, with Macy Gray's statement, she took it to the biological that a woman is defined by having boobs and a vagina. But to me, the identity goes much deeper than just the biological. And so if a person identifies as a female, that's much deeper than having boobs and a vagina. So to me, that 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 essence is deeper than just the biological. So I felt that she was, that she misspoke. And initially when she pushed back, um, I began to lose empathy for her. But then when she came back and, and, and is trying to, to write that boat, um, a bit of the empathy came back. Um, because so often we, we speak from um, that place where we've, we've we grew up with what's been instilled in us, you know, for all those formative years, not ever having taken the time to to inform ourselves with more modern concepts around gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, because it's evolved light years um, to where we are now. Um, you know, folks are pansexual or demisexual and all of these different things, and we'll hear them, you know, bantied about, but oftentimes we don't have that that curiosity that drives us to, to research deeper and and better inform our, our perspectives. So I was yeah. Okay. Uh, well, sometimes, um, speaking of what you just said, I think sometimes, um, and, and we're going to go into a cut that kind of breaks this down even further, um, on our, not necessarily our next break, we're going to play a straight cut. Um, sometimes our privileges, since I don't have to, this issue doesn't affect me, then I don't have a reason to have curiosity. So I definitely, I'm not saying that makes it okay, but I get how, like you said, as we start to have all these various things that y'all are bringing to the table uh, to a degree, uh, a lot of times if we have the privilege not to think about it until it hits home, then there has been no reason to gain that curiosity, if you will. Um, so when I listen to a Macy Gray, and, and I'll let you in, uh, we got a caller out there. The caller, if you want to get in, you do have to press one, just so you know. Um, but um, as I listen to Macy Gray, uh, and I'll say, I'm even willing to say within my limited train of thought, when I hear, um, I don't think you're conflating a lot when I look at some of the rest of the dialogue that I saw this week in reference to Macy Gray when it comes to black women uh, to a degree um, I just based on some of the things that I saw from the standpoint of, um, you know, me being a woman and what all and all what comes with it, you getting the surgery in a sense, it's not that simple. Is to a degree, uh, to a degree, what I'm hearing her say, because she she still is saying, hey, it's cool in a sense 
for you, but I don't think it's as simple as that. And thinking, like, for example, the sister that I follow, Erica uh, Lachey, during this week, she ended up saying something in reference to the Macy Gray, um, how, for example, there are gay men, uh, some gay men who say, hey, the, sis- the sisters and the women, they come to us for the fashion styles because, you know, we give you that. And, you know, Erica Lachey's pushback, and I'm probably doing a terrible job of, her, of paraphrasing her point, but something to the effect of her pushback was, Hey, what makes you think as a man you can tell us what our standards are? And so that's where that conflation is warranted, in my opinion. And I think to a degree, that's a little bit of where you were going with it, Latrice, um, where you said, well, I don't want to go too far into that. But I think that's a reality and has to be part of our, obviously, African-American discussion because we automatically go there. I, I hope I'm making sense. But I respect it in a sense where Erica Lachey was coming from in reference to gay men saying, hey, we set the standard. And she's like, how are you as a man setting the standard standard for us as women? And like you said with Macy Gray, you went to the Sojourner Truth, ain't I a woman? So, you know, help me out here. But I'm just saying I, I can see it from that perspective if that's where Macy Gray was coming from. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of understand that. and But I guess because of the work I do and the research that I've had to do. And to be honest, you know, if I'm honest in my, my journey as a, a DEI professional, I, I shied away from under, greater understanding of the transgender population because it is so difficult to understand, not necessarily from a concept perspective, but from a changing of mindset perspective because it's so outside of the, the realm of, of things that I grew up considering considering to be normal. So I've had to have a shift in mindset um, to be able to accept that. And I, and I delayed, um, and it wasn't until I worked with someone who was born a woman, she was bisexual, and she was married to a transgendered male. So it wasn't until I became friends with her and built a rapport with her where I could ask questions and get them answered without offense that I actually, my, my awareness broadened. So I do understand that, that not everyone has had that opportunity, and many times we're going off of what we've learned um, when we were younger. But we, if we're going to speak publicly on things, we owe it to ourselves to, to speak about those things that we are informed about and, and try to shy away from things that, um, that we haven't had an opportunity to dig into um, a little further. Yes, yeah, you know, I, 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 see, I, I'm okay with people in a sense being honest. Obviously, Chris Morgan, in a sense, to a degree, was setting her up with that question to a degree, and I'm pretty sure she was. I would assume she was aware of what was going to be asked, and she didn't run from it. So, um, you know, so, so I do understand that that was partly part of the perspective. Here's another thought, um, Dr. Sanjata, to kind of stay on, on just on this angle for a degree. So when I hear a Macy Gray, something else that pops in my head, um, and I think, truth, I've heard you talk about this a little bit in the past, but um, Caitlyn Jenner, for example, um, you know, in her being highlighted as, you know, in a sense, the face of transgender when, you know, obviously that popular Bruce Jenner transferring to Caitlyn Jenner was, you know, mm-hmm. clearly um, – you know, highlighted in that process, though, um, since he, since Caitlin, I'm sorry, I always made the mistake, since Caitlin um, politically has stood out from the standpoint that I've heard some women say, 
wow, that's still very much a man's mindset in some of his political. Some see, I'm still saying saying it wrong. Saying some of her, but some of her political takes are still very much masculine. I've also heard women say that quite often that even as the in a sense transgender are accepted in more accepted quite often there are plenty of ways that they still have a very male mindset that can be harmful even to them as women and they're ask and you're asking to be accepted as a woman but your actions are very different i've heard women have that pushback your thoughts about that mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, you know, he's a, I'm sorry, she is an older, you know, uh, person and grew up in an era with certain beliefs, you know, embedded and in, in her mind. So even as, you know, Caitlin was battling, you know, uh, her own battles in terms of who, who she identifies as, uh, I know, I know from talking to a lot of people, that um that fall that are in that you know lgbtq plus uh um identity uh you know spectrum who who fought against it for so long they tried to fit in for so long so of course they adopted they adopt the beliefs they adopt the language they adopt the words of what was conventional because they want to fit in and it just over time you know in a lot of instances folks were able to get to who they uh truly are and then you know their learning and evolution process is still is still a process as well. So yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that um, you know Caitlyn still struggles in that way. I feel like the the, the women who state that I'm sure their uh, their perspectives are and opinions are valid. Um, and it's just you know it's the complexity of the time we're in. Not fair enough. We're gonna go to this cut. I want to get your thoughts on that as well, Latrice. And this cut just talks about what being an ally to the LGBTQ community looks like. And so I think it's, um, you know, fitting for today's discussion. But, as, you know, but I definitely want to hear your thoughts. Um, matter of fact, let me, because it's not a commercial. I'm not having to, nobody's paid for this moment. So let me get your thoughts first before we play that cut. So what are your thoughts in reference to the women who are, women who are offended by some of the current public statements by a Caitlyn Jenner? Caitlyn Jenner, or just for the fact that they have experiences with, you know, not as well-known transgenders who they say still have a very masculine mindset and kind of think that they can now, in a sense, take over and tell other women what they, they've seen. They've seen that experience. Obviously, they're talking about, as you know, Dr. Sanjata said, their individual experiences, and we don't obviously we want to invalidate those experiences. But I've heard enough of it to say, hey, let's have that dialogue today. So what are your thoughts about that? So when I hear about it, I think that part of, of Caitlyn Jenner's experience is, um, is different than the average transgender person because um, she comes from a position of, of, of influence and wealth, whereas a lot of transgender people are, are living in poverty. And so while Caitlyn Jenner has been accepted in, in a lot of circles, regardless of, of, who, of her identity at this or gender expression at this point in time, um, a lot of other folks don't have that, um, that experience. And so I do, in a sense, I feel empathy for those women who, who I, 
so I feel that I, I get a little upset with Caitlin because she doesn't recognize the privilege that she has being able to express her her true identity and be accepted in so many circles and being able to go into these same circles and espouse conservative views um, and be relatively accepted. And that's simply coming from, I believe, a place of, that, you know, that a place that her wealth has positioned her, whereas the, the typical transgender person has difficulty finding jobs, housing, all of that. And so their experiences are entirely different. And so I do understand why they would be offended to have a Caitlyn gender speaking for their community because her, her, her perspective is the million-foot view versus where they are from the sidewalks um, trying to, to scrape and, and, and get by daily. So I do understand their, their being offended. All right, let's go to the cut. For the callers out there, if you want to get in on this morning's discussion, just press 1, and we'll let you join the discussion. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Imagine your friend is building a house and they ask you to help, but you've never built a house before. So it would probably be a good idea for you to put on some protective gear and listen to the person in charge, otherwise someone's going to get seriously hurt. Look, I'm helping! It's the exact same idea when it comes to being an ally. An ally is a person that wants to fight for the equality of a marginalized group that they're not a part of. We need your help building this house, but you probably should listen so you know what to do first. Let's do this. So here are my five tips for being a good ally. Understand your privilege. Now, a lot of people get hung up on the word privilege, so let me break it down for you nice and easy. Privilege does not mean that you are rich, that you've had an easy life, that everything's been handed to you and you've never had to struggle or work hard. All it means is that there are some things in life that you will not experience or ever have to think about just because of who you are. It's kind of like those horses that have those blinders on. They can see just fine. There's just a whole bunch of stuff on the side that they don't even know exists. So for example, there are currently 29 states where you can legally be fired for being gay. And there are 34 states where you can legally be fired for being trans. Now as a straight cis woman, those are things that I don't have to ever think about if I don't want to. I'm not gonna be fired because I'm straight and I'm not gonna be fired because I am cis. So it makes sense that before I can fight for the rights of others, I have to understand what rights I have and others don't. That's privilege. Listen and do your homework. It sounds like a no-brainer, but it's not possible for you to learn if you aren't willing to listen. So you gotta know when to zip up the lipa. I don't know. You get what I mean. But that's the thing that's so cool about social media. There are so many people sharing their stories all around the world and connecting with people that they normally would never get a chance to without the power of the internet. So do your homework. Start reading blogs, tweets, news articles, and stories so that you can get caught up on the issues that are important to the communities that you want to support. Speak up but not over. If the fight for equality was a girl group, the ally wouldn't be the lead singer or the second lead singer. They'd be Michelle. An ally's job is to support. You want to make sure that you use your privilege and your voice to educate others, but make sure to do it in such a way that does not speak over the community members that you're trying to support or take credit for things that they are already saying. This isn't Mario Kart. Stay in your lane. Realize that you're going to make mistakes and apologize when you do. Nobody's perfect. Unlearning problematic things takes time and work, so you are bound to mess up and trip and fall. 
But don't worry, you can brush yourself off and get right back up. I'm back up! Just remember that it's not about your intent, it's about your impact. So when you get called out, make sure to listen, apologize, commit to changing your behavior, and move forward. Last, but certainly not least, actually the most important thing on this list, is remember that ally is a verb. Saying you're an ally is not enough. You got to do the work. One- Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, as well as special guest Dr. Sanjata for this morning's discussion question. LGBTQIA+, how many letters do we need? As we hear a cut breaking down on how to be an appropriate ally for anybody looking to do that, uh, I think those are, in a sense, some good points. Uh, however, and I'll doing the however here very intentionally because versus just, you know, your thoughts on that actual cut, because again, I think it surmised how to be a good good ally very well. But what about someone who doesn't want to be an ally? Their mindset is, I'm not necessarily trying to be against you. I don't, I just would like for it not to be a part of my life. And I'm not against anyone. I don't mind how somebody identifies, but I'm not necessarily trying to be an ally. So when I pose that to you, Dr. Sanjata, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that everyone has to speak up or, you know, be active in any type of, you know, creating aware, awareness in any type of way for marginalized people. I just think that there needs to be a level of awareness on if they're the way that they exist is causing harm. And if it is, they need to own it. And I respect people who can own it instead of people who there's a lot of people who, who say things like, you know, to each his own, I respect people's differences, but then they go ahead and say some ignorant, something ignorant or something harmful or something that can put, you know, LGBTQ plus people in danger because of their beliefs. So a lot of people, you know, try to hide behind um, this, I guess, what, what you're kind of describing, you know, this, this neutrality in a sense um, mm-hmm. to, to mask their, their discriminatory beliefs um, and, and, and thoughts. So I'll, I'll say that, yeah, you don't have to be an ally, but I think if you're going to be neutral, then keep, you know, you're going to keep your mouth shut, then, you know, I think, I think folks need to check you know, the things they say, if they truly don't want to be harmful and if they intend to be harmful, I think they should own it so people can see where they're coming from and, and know how to move around them. Now, I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, and and fair from the standpoint of uh, I hear exactly, I think I hear exactly what you're saying because in a sense we are or moving into a, or I'm always in a sense challenging the idea of in a sense public discourse uh, and again, we don't we don't do it in a sense as well as as you know what I've experienced being in in your forms, if you will, Doctor Jada. As like I said, the term authentic dialogue. A lot of us could learn a lot from that. And so, since most of us typically don't know how to have authentic dialogue, we the rest of us kind of feel like, oh man, we're in a world where you can't say the the wrong thing. So, uh, so I think what I'm hearing you say is. People are leaning towards the neutrality not to appear wrong in what they're saying, and their but they'll say a but, and what comes out of that but is actually harmful. But because they led with, well, I don't care what you are, 
I, it's okay for me to say it. Uh, is that is that fair? Yeah, that people, yeah, go ahead, Gia. Jump back in there. I'm just getting, trying to understand better. Yeah. Understand what yep. And I also so here's another thing that I hear often. You know, people say, you know, I disagree with it, and that like you know they'll say you know you can you can believe what you want to believe or or be who you want to be or live any lifestyle you want to live, and you know I but I disagree with it. And I don't have to I don't have to agree. <laughs> and like, I, I what do you like disagree time, with? <laughs> Right, that's my thing. It's like, I, yeah, like, like it's, it's a level. There is yeah, such a level of um, of arrogance within that statement. But I I see it on social media often. I even hear people say it, and it's like it's such a level of arrogance, a such a level of privilege, um, that I, I just can't I can't grasp what what people are holding on to. Like, you know, like you said, another another human being. <clears throat> living their life and, and to the fullest expression of their truth and authenticity, like what gives someone else a right to disagree with that? So, but there's a lot of people that want to hold on to this idea that it's okay to disagree as if, you know, these are choices that people are making. And if, if I can really quick, I want to bring in this quote that some people have attributed to James Baldwin that I believe a gentleman by the name of Robert Jones Jr. Um, wrote that says, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. I just wanted to put that out there as well. Latrice, perfect space, space, I think, for you to jump in after that quote. Go ahead, Queen. That that last part of the discussion that you guys just had, I experienced that from one of my social media friends all the time. Um, and, and we go back and forth with it. But I'm actually going to, to start my statement with the quote. The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. And that speaks of my feelings about the matter. And that was that's attributed to Martin MLK Jr. Um, I think that when you do nothing, you are a part of the problem. Um, and, 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 and a lot of people may get rifled, upset about that, and that's fine. But when they do, I typically take it back to the fight for civil rights. You want white allies on your part because you know that they have the seats at the table that we need access to. But then you don't want to be an ally to another marginalized group. So explain to me how that works. So my perspective on it is that if you sit by and do nothing, then that you're a part, you will allow evil to consume us. So um, I don't believe in that concept that you get to just sit idly by while oppressive behaviors take place. Yeah, I, 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 oh yeah, I like to explore the nuance of that because, because like, like I, I'll just you know to make it rela- in a sense just relatable specifically to our community, um, you know when MLK made that actual statement, right? Um, he was just thinking, he was making that statement to kind of point to those who were in a sense idle, if or or you know maybe in their mind um, not as involved. Because they were able to kind of say, "Hey, I'm not the avid racist," and so just kind of making it equal to, you know, what's going on now in a sense of I'm not someone who is um, harming these various communities. That in a sense, that's not my space, and so you can, in a sense, sit idle, um, and to a degree, allow some of these harmful things to still go on. So I, I, I definitely hear that. But I like a little bit of what Dr. Jada said, just from the standpoint, you still can have your life experience could still be such that 
you're you're not in a position to where you you could live out a life where, especially as we get into more various genders and things of this nature, that to a degree you still you can in a in a sense live out your life to a degree where certain aspects of this will never come up. So can we hold those people with that same standpoint of hey, you've done nothing, you've sat by when their life experience hasn't been you know one in which they could stand up. Or what about the person who clearly doesn't know what to say? And so they're like, I haven't thought about this. I'm seeing a scenario, but I don't know what to say in this moment. So just kind of wanted to have you talk, kind of dig through that, if that makes sure. sense. So for those folks who don't know what to say, um, find out what to say. For those folks who may not have an awareness of it, you do get my empathy. You get a pass there. Um but more often than not, we are, you know, there are a few people who don't um, don't engage in social media and who may have a, a certain level of, of certain lack of awareness. But I think that for the most part, um, many folks have awareness. And while it may not impact us personally now, it may in the future. Um, and that's what I often, and that's really the conversation that I, I often have with, with friends who, who have been homophobic. I'll ask them, you know, you got kids. Like one, I had a friend of mine who said that she was, um, she felt that her rights were being violated by the bathroom um, bills that were passing. And I wanted to know how her rights were personally being violated. And then I took it a step further because she has kids. And I said, you got two little boys here. So suppose one or both of your boys came to you and said, mom, I'm gay. What would you do? Um, and she cussed me out when I asked that question because it caused her mindset to shift to a place where she was personally impacted. And what if my boys come to me one day and say that I'm gay? What would I do? And let me, you know, to take it further, I said, so these people that you're speaking disparagingly about, they are someone's child. So how do you think they feel? And so oftentimes I think, you know, when I look at the dialogue that I hold, um, one of the ways that, that research shows that we can have a shift in sentiment, if you will, is perspective taking. And when I engage in dialogues around diversity, I often do it in the form of having exercises where folks have an opportunity to, in a sense, walk in that other person's shoes. And from that, more often than not, not everybody sort of conforms to it, but more often than not, I have success with people beginning to have a different perspective about various intersections of diversity. So I just think that when you, when you do nothing, it makes it more difficult for the work to be done to bring about change. And to me, and I guess because my work is, is focused on various intersections of diversity, I don't get to pick and choose the battles that I engage in because I am passionate about this work. And I know that if, if, if I help this group become unoppressed, then, you know, I've done something good. I've made our society better. You know, and I know not everybody thinks that way. And I know in a, in a way I have this utopian mindset, um, thinking that one day we'll all get along and oppression will stop. Um, I, I know that won't happen in my lifetime. 
but I think when we think about things that can be done, it can mean speaking up when you know someone's being passed over for an opportunity or that someone's not being hired because of their race or their gender or their sexual orientation. It doesn't have to mean picking up a picket sign and going out and protesting. It's the little things that can be done. If a woman's in a meeting with a bunch of men and she's being spoken over, speaking up saying, hey, Bill, let her speak. Those are the little things that any of us can do without putting ourselves out too much. No, fair enough. We're going to go to this break. No, thank you for that thought. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back again for the callers. If you're listening, if you're just enjoying the conversation, no problem. If you want to get in, you do need to press 1 on your phone, and we'll get you a, get your three cents on this discussion. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Why do you say things about um person that, you, uh, that might be a homosexual, why do you say that about them? Do you feel there's a possibility that you're a homosexual and you by disrespect them, you further yourself from being a homosexual or thinking you may like homosexuals? Nah, nah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm straight as an arrow. I'm just saying, you know. I'm not I saying did, you are, but I, why I do really, you have, really, if I, you're straight, why do you I really, I really, I really, I really commented on on, on the Dwayne Wade situation yeah. because I got offended because because it's a child, you know. That's why I, I really got offended, you know. And uh, that's why I really said if it was a, if it was a motherfucking nineteen year old, eighteen year old grown person, I, I probably would. I know I wouldn't have said nothing. Why did you? But say I felt child? like he. I felt like. You know, I'm just saying, hey, you know, I'm not judging you. Yeah. Don't ever think I'm here judging you. I'm just trying to understand you. Yeah. You know, and I, and I got some demons. You ain't even in my world when it comes to demons. Yeah. Okay, but yes, tell me why. It was just like, you know, I just felt like, you know, that's a child. I felt like a child ain't, 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 ain't at 12 can't make that decision. I, I felt like, I felt like that's just how I felt, you know. And, uh, and certain things I talk about on like that, I just felt like, I just felt like that that was going too far, you know. You Dig, you right? like you I agree with you. You know, listen. you calling you calling him a her, you know, like that that that's just going too far, you know. At twelve years old, it's what? like check this out. This I agree with you a hundred percent, right? I agree with you, right? Me, I agree with you. But check this out. Who the fuck am I to say anything? We can't, you know, my, what I think don't mean a motherfucking thing. You know what I mean? But I got a big ego. I think I'm somebody that can help the world because I'm Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? I created this fucking image of I ain't Mike Tyson. Who I am is whoever, whatever people think I am. But I know I put something. I put um, I put some scary shit out there. I know it's out there. You know because I'm afraid. That's what kind of. <coughs> you know. We have to know who we really are. We think we know who we are. 
you know, who the fuck is who the fuck are we to make a comment about somebody's life? Who, who are you? What what happened to you that you think that you're somebody to make a comment on somebody's life? Uh, I used to think I that I could make a comment on somebody's life. My mama said the same thing. But yeah. you, know, you say, who am I? I think I could make a comment about somebody else's child. But, you know, I said it and I, and I, and I, and I stand on what I say. Really? Yeah, I said, it, I said it and I stand on what I say. I just feel like, you, you know, know what? That's a 12-year-old child. That's I realize about myself, sometimes I can say, fuck, I'm wrong. Welcome back to the Mitchell Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host. Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Dr. Shindata, as we hear a relatively, doesn't sound tense, but if you've seen Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, this is a dialogue between him and the um, hip-hop artist Bootsy. And this moment was considered relatively intense when, in a sense, Mike Tyson came at Bootsy part, in part for his comments on Dwayne Wade's child, if, if you will. And so, um, you know, with both of our guests, I want to definitely hear your thoughts. And I'll say that I feel like Bootsy to a degree. So what are y'all thoughts when I say that? Or, you know, if you were talking to Bootsy, if you will. But I can say I feel like him when it comes to children and there's, and I'm seeing a push uh, throughout the country just from having done research on these on these topics to where there's more encouragement of even sex changes for younger children. So all of that context is part of why I agree with Bootsy. So Dr. Sanjata, what are are your comments to me? So um, that was my first time hearing that clip, and I I appreciate Mike Tyson's uh, perspective and how he called Bootsy out, or some people like to say called him in, you know, because – I thought it was tactful in a way that he said he agrees with Boosie, but he also said, but that's, that's for himself. That's his thoughts. And who is he to put that on someone else? And they even speak it out loud. And I felt like it was a level of accountability there that I appreciated him raising that level of awareness or calling Boosie out in that way. Because, I mean, it, it was a lot of things wrapped up in that belief and even what you saying that you, you agree with him. And I got to start with, with the concept of adultism and childism. Like some people use those two things interchangeably. But this idea that as adults we have power over and control of young people and we tell them what to do, who they can be, what they need to be and think, and all these different things, your sentiment, your belief is rooted in that. It's a, it's a dominant trait. It's rooted in patriarchy. It's rooted in childism. So many things to believe that a young person at the age of 12 and even younger doesn't know who they are. And it, quite frankly, it's, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's oppressive. <laughs> it's oppressive, the idea that young people can't think for themselves. So, you know, Boosie, you know, wanted to say it's a child, it's a child, it's a child, because, you know, he's standing on the age-old belief that children have a place, and that place is under the guidance of adults who think for them, tell them what to do, what to be, how to think, how to dress, how to eat with the belief, all these things. And that's just wrong. It's oppressive. And it's one of the last, it's one of the, the places and spaces, as you know, that I, that I also advocate in um, is the rights for children, you know, because they are, they are oppressed in so many ways. They are an oppressed group. So um, that's, that's what I'll say about that. And, yeah, I mean, a 12-year-old young person understanding who they are and what they, you know, how they feel and wanting to be able to live that 
and, you know, out loud, just like anyone who's heterosexual or who falls in line with convention, you know, who are cisgendered and heterosexual can live that out loud and dress the way they want to dress without being questioned. Yeah, every person should should deserve that no matter what their age. All right, so here's here's a place I would push back, and I'll let you know you respond, and then Latrice after that. Um, so I remember some years ago, and I've always held on to this. Um, was a child psychologist uh, was mentioning some years ago, prior to you know, in a, a in a sense of the time we're in now, where people in a sense are pushing for these type of things. She was highlighting that she had. Um, had a, a situation where the parents brought in saying, hey, my son is constantly saying he wants to be a girl, and so they want to kind of have a therapist. And for them, from the way I understand, these parents were just exploring it, not necessarily from the standpoint of we don't want our son to be this way. They just said, let's have our child go through a therapist or whatever, because the idea of you know children having changes, this was years ago, that wasn't really you know, on the table. So they were just wanting to say, Hey, can you know help us figure out how to deal with this? And so over time of seeing the ch- young child, uh, the therapist was able to, un- to find out that for this, the boy was the youngest of his, he had two other older sisters. And so him being the youngest in his eyes, inside of the household, he thought that his sisters got more than he did from his child perspective. And they were able to determine it was that thought that made him push to not only want to say he wants to be a girl, emulating them in an attempt to get the things they got. And so that was the distinction that they were able to make and things changed and they were able to, you know, better relate and ensure that the child felt more fairness in the dynamic between you know, him and his sisters. That psychiatrist says that in today's time, that child will be pushed to and explored to be have their sex change. She said that is the times that we're in. And so I will throw out that while you are suggesting that it's oppressive, and I'm not saying there are times that it's not, I'm not saying that, but while you're suggesting that it's oppressive, Dr. Sanjata, there the, the idea is even if you hear Bootsy say, hey, if the person was 18 or 19, I got no problem at 12. So while it's rooted in what you're saying is rooted in, Bootsy goes on the further say, not on that broadcast, but in another broadcast, just simply saying, hey, at a child is permanent. What if it's something that the child is figuring out because there will come a time where there's no one, in a sense, based on the rules of our country where you can't tell this person what to do anyway, if you will, but to make a permanent change while someone might be like that little young boy who's just confusing what he's getting inside the house as why he wants to be a girl, it would have been a terrible mistake to listen to that young boy. You know, I don't know how old he was. I don't know. The doctor didn't say that. Uh, but go ahead. Um, your thoughts, because, again, I I would just like, yeah, I'm rooted in adultism in the sense of just let them get of age of when you think of the psychology of knowing yourself, which there's, you know, deep thought on, obviously some people could be different, but the generalization is you start exploring your self-identity in your early teens and, you know, your identity forms before that, but just the way that you explore it and get rooted in it, it, there's, you know, there's a time period where the general population figures that out. So why not wait before making a permanent decision for a child? Your thoughts. 
Well, I didn't know that was the conversation. I didn't know the conversation was about making a permanent decision because in the Boosie clip, he was just talking about, um, you know, Dwayne Wade calling his once son, now a daughter, and her. Like, there's nothing permanent about that. And to my knowledge, I was never aware of any type of sex change. You know, I don't, I don't, I doubt that they would do any type of surgery. Granted, I know that there's people who get hormone, take, start taking hormones. Uh, who can start taking hormones at a young age. But the, the narrative that adults are pushing for that is not something I'm aware of either. To say, like, the way that you just framed it, pushing young people in that direction, yeah, yeah, that's, not, that's not something I've heard. Yeah, so uh, so what, what what even had Mike jump on Bootsy? So his original comments was, you know, obviously he had his opinions about them, you know, starting to call Zion or her or whatever, which was consistent. And that's all he brought up in that actual dialogue. But what he went on to say is, whatever you do, don't get the change. So he was like, you know, he did it in a, you know, if you ever seen Bootsy rant. So it came out in a big rant. And he was like, whatever you do, don't get the change. So it didn't, that didn't come up on that when Mike kind of, you know, pressed him about it. That part didn't come up. But, yeah, that's very much a part of it. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and you can, you know, look it up after the show, but unfortunately there are a lot of doctors who are now advocating for sex changes, even for children. And so in, so for people that are having pushback, that's always the bigger concern, that the dialogue of a him or her um, can turn into this push, and that push is becoming a reality where there are literally doctors across the country advocating and pushing it, and you can they're they've already started doing the doing them, um, and you can look up what I'm telling you. We're at the top of the hour, Latrice, so um, I have to wait to after the break to get your your thoughts in on this queen. We'll be right back. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. So let's just say this. You, people, you don't you hate know? gay people. No, I just told he my sister is gay. Yes. Yes. Gay people out better hold. I can trust a gay person before I trust a anybody. Yes. Yes. Before I trust a shooter, anybody. Gay people don't even steal like that. Like what? <laughs> wait, oh wait. God damn. <laughs> wait, what is? What is? That's hilarious. Oh my God. Damn, you don't feel like that? I swear to God, bro. Leave leave somebody regular around you, shit. Oh, man. And leave a gay person. I'm telling you, bro. I done been. 
I'm telling you. I went to the green room for us to be testing. I said, oh, I'm fanning out. I'm a big boosty fan. He, you are, he knew I wasn't a woman. I wasn't even dressed like this. I had on my jogging suit. And he was like, what's up? Let's take a picture. He was very calm, very chill. I'm not, was, bro, not a bad person, man. I've been, I did five years in prison <laughs> around gay people. Like, bro, like prison, bro, you don't understand, bro. Like, I don't have nothing against gay people. I have problems with what they doing to the You think it's culture. an agenda? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, as well as guest Dr. Sanjata for this morning's discussion question, LGBTQIA+. How many letters do we need as we hear another cut? This is Boosie actually on the Breakfast Club. And if you don't know Boosie's history, he's just a, a, a relatively independent hip-hop artist, um, independent to the extent that he goes on these rants about various issues, and in there they're highlighting individually. He is he's trying to highlight. He doesn't have a problem with gay people in this example at all. And the the young lady you heard talking near the end is Flame Monroe, very popular. Um, I would I don't know. She she doesn't really like a label, but I'll call her a transgender comedian, if you will. So a, a male that dresses as a woman or whatever. But again, she kind of rejects that label as well. Um, but, you know, for the sake of this conversation, Flame Monroe is there saying, hey, when I rolled up on Boosie, he had no problem with me or whatever. And he's at the end, it got cut off. He was saying, I don't have a problem with gay people. I have a problem with what they're doing to the culture. And that's remnants of kind of what I was alluding to, if you will, in the sense of um, the, the comments right before the break, if you will, Dr. Sanjata. I think you're very, you were right in the sense of first time hearing that cut, Boosie talking to Mike Tyson. All he talked about was, you know, whether you call him him or her. So I definitely understand that, yeah, what I was saying was not in that cut. So very fair thought to it. However, the dialogue that people are fearful of, right or wrong, is what else is going to happen above and beyond me being able to respect you as the individual, but then now there's uh, a push or, oh, yeah, you know, that, like that psychiatrist said, that psych- child psychologist said, that in today's time, there would be considerations for hormone stuff for that young boy who was just mixed up about what was happening at home. Um, the, um, Latrice, I wanted to give you some thoughts. I know you got some thoughts as well, uh, Sanjata, but I'm going to go ahead and go to Latrice and let you come back to you. Go ahead, Latrice. So, first, you have to, I think what we see is a lot of political information that's being mixed in with some scientific information. They're getting all conjumbled together. Um, The whole chemicals or what we see happening in a lot of instances is social transitioning, um, where they begin to wear the attire of the gender that they identify as. They they begin to insist that they be addressed by um, by the pronoun that they identify as. Um, but there aren't any hormonal or surgical interventions taking place. Um, as far as hormonal, there are puberty blockers, and so until a child hits puberty, there's nothing to block. Um, I do believe that there should be um, an age that one can begin to permanently transition, um, and even the pediatric um, endocrine society believes the same thing. In that age, they, they, they have it as 18. So you have these 
um, authorities, these, these, these recognized bodies saying, yes, these are the things that we believe. And there will always be outliers. This is one of the things that you and I discuss often. There will always be exceptions because nothing is absolute. But what is the vast majority? Um, we do need to recognize that children as young as three recognize that they're not fitting into a specific gender identity that they may have been assigned at birth. Um, and because it bothers us or it goes against our beliefs, we view it as outside the norm. What we don't look at is how these kids fare through life. There is a much higher suicide rate amongst um, youth who identify as transgender. There is a higher instance of mental illness associated with anxiety and depression. Um, we need to also, we're so concerned with their genitalia that we fail to acknowledge their mental well-being. And I think that that's where we need to begin to transition our thought process because that's where we're losing them. That's where they're, they're giving in and committing suicide. That's bigger to me than the, con, the, the focus on what genitalia they have as they transition to adulthood. Now that makes sense. I'm gonna let Dr. jump in here real quick, and I'll just say, just to be, yeah, just to say respectfully that, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm um, quite often, yeah, when we want to make an argument, we we jump, we run to the extremes to have the dialogue. And if I think if I'm hearing you correctly, um, like say, while there may be some people pushing for that, you just highlighted that the pediatric society is saying, hey, the age needs to be 18, and the reality is. Is, is super rare to the extent that that shouldn't be the gist of the conversation. The reality is what are those children going through, even if we're going to make them, in a sense, way to 18, we're pushing back in a way that's allowing them harm, even if you let them wait to 18. So we're pushing back in a way that's harming them, even though the extreme of a child transition is so rare and you're using that to, to pump your, your, your political position, and the reality is you're going to harm them because that's rarely happening, whereas the things you're pushing are messing them up. Am I hearing you correctly? You're hearing me correctly, and that, that, that they're actually finding that this public discourse that's taking place is mm-hmm. actually contributing to those numbers, contributing to the anxiety, contributing to the depression, contributing to the suicide. Right, because like I said, you've been using Boosie and didn't jump right in here, Dr. Sanjata. So even, again, given full context to what Mike was addressing with Boosie, he was saying all the other things and then kind of concluded with, whatever you do, don't make the change because that's permanent, dog. So I can see exactly what Latrice is saying when I think about hearing what she just explained to me and me having seen Boosie's full rant. I can see how... Yeah, the gist of everything he was saying was more of what you what you picked up on in the dialogue between him and my Tyson. He ended it with, and whatever you do, don't let him get the change. Like he literally ended the rant that way, kind of to forcefully make his point. So I can see what you, what she's saying. Go ahead, Doctor Shandata. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you brought those perspectives in, Latrice, the mental health uh, angle, because I mean. That's that's so important, and you know we we continue to use the term dialogue. You know, even your show is called Mental Dialogue. You know, my company's Grow Dialogue, and you know I've done authentic dialogues for many years now in companies for people, couples, etc. 
And the, the key thing that's missing in the media discourse is that the people impacted, their voices aren't even being taken into consideration. And so I, I have an issue with even how we handle these type of things because, you know, we are, we are speculating and, and giving our thoughts and, I, and, and opinions on something versus literally just having a dialogue with the people impacted. So I say that because to go back before the break, um, when you, you know, kind of transitioned it to what Boosie said in terms of don't make the change. And I thought about my children and his empathy in, in terms, I'm sorry, I won't say empathy, but his concern for, you know, and what you were saying, your concern was in terms of, you know, young people could be confused and, you know, why should they make a permanent decision as be able to make a permanent decision at a young age. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, to myself, like if that was my child, and my child wanted to, you know, do hormones because I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're actually doing the full like getting rid of genitalia type surgery. I know hormones is, is common, but and I don't even. And the hormones may be reversible. You can take the other hormones to go back. I mean, I don't know because I haven't looked into it that deep. But let's just say my child wanted to do something like that, I would be concerned. And my initial probably knee jerk reaction would be I would want them to wait until they were a little older, let it play out. That would be my knee jerk. But then what I was going to say beyond that was, but ultimately the determining factor is going to be my child's voice. And I'm going to, you know, take them through a process to really dialogue with them and understand how this is impacting them. And if I get any indication over, you know, some time and knowing my child and that relationship, that their mental health is being impacted, you know, ultimately I'm going to lean into understanding that it's their life. And that they're making the best decision for themselves to feel like they have an opportunity to self-actualize, be happy, be whole, and live as their most authentic selves, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to, to navigate that with their voice as much a part of the process as my concerns. And then to see what that dialogue, that back and forth, if I lay out, I'll lay out for them, here are the concerns, here's how the brain develops, here's how things can change over time, and then hear their concerns and just, you know, give that some time. But the problem I have is when adults are having these conversations as if the young people's voice doesn't matter. And I am aware of the suicide numbers of, you know, across several indicators around how young people experience, um, you know, why, why young people commit suicide at such a, a high rate. And the LGBTQ plus and trans, you know, which includes trans children, yes, the rate is even higher, and that is concerning. And I do think that that's something that, you know, isn't brought up enough when these conversations are being had. No, I think those are very fair thoughts. Anybody wants to get in and give us your three cents on this discussion, give us a call at 646-787-1691. For the callers I see out there, if you want to talk, you do need to press 1. I think all of both I think y'all are just enjoying the conversation, which is great. But if you want to give us your three cents, please um, press the 1, and we'll get you in on the conversation. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions 
has the answer. Visit them at emorejdbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emorej Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Faculty, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, as well as special guest Dr. Shajada for this morning's discussion question. LGBTQIA, how many letters do we need? Have y'all heard of Drag Story Hour? Have either of you heard of Drag Story Hour? I have. No, I haven't. Okay, so Drag Story Hour is, I think, a push. Uh, I, I did a dialogue on this on my Just My Three Sits podcast, which is my video podcast we do during the week. And um, one of our members, James, I think both, yeah, both of you know James, and James was on the dialogue with me, and I was breaking down Drag Story Hour, which is basically um, – elementary school story hours in which people in drag read them stories. And um, I was highlighting that this is a push that's coming and happening around the country. Uh, James corrected me and says, is it really a push or is it just something that happened organically? And so to be fair, uh, I don't know if it's a push, but we do know that it is happening more and more. So I'll say that. Uh, But yeah, drag story hour again is, uh, going into elementary schools and having a reading hour in which someone is, um, you know, dressed in drag. So he, James and I were going back and forth, and I said that I thought this was very unnecessary. unnecessary. And on that actual podcast, for anybody there listening that saw it, I, I mistakenly, going back to something that Dr. Jada alluded to in the beginning of this show, I mistakenly, in my pushback, kept saying, why else would they do this? Again, me not agreeing with DSH or Drag Story Hour. So what I said to James was, in doing this, why else would they do this if it wasn't to highlight and explore, um, you know, their sexuality? In this instance, I used the incorrect word, and I really I should have said their gender identity, because in my mind, these are the type of things that uh, I think correctly, as I'm hearing both of you say, and I'm learning as well. But as I'm hearing both of you say, hey, these explorations can start happening for children as young as three, I think you said, um, 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 Latrice. So keep in mind, I, I made these comments prior to the conversation we're having now. And so in pushing back and using the incorrect word, I remember when I watched it, I was like, man, I meant, I meant to say gender identity. But the point that I was making to James was just the idea that to start having children explore that in a sense, in a educational setting, doesn't make sense to me. And what he said to me is, he was like, well, he said, there's people who would agree with you who also would let their 
uh, you know, children watched a um, Tyler Perry movie where, you know, somebody's dressed up as a transgender. And I said, I get it inside of an individual home. I would never want to control, in a sense, someone's home. But if I'm sending my child to a public education, that's not something I would be happy about them exploring at school. Um, I'll start with you, um, Dr. Sanjali. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I am aware of it. I just didn't know the name <clears throat> the name of it, but I did see something going around with that a few years ago. And um, <clears throat> so for me, it's about representation, and it's about them, um, you know, creating that, that broader lens for young people to, to see beyond the binary, and I think that's a good thing, so that the next generation doesn't grow up, you know, with these people erased like I grew up. You know, I grew up with so much erasure. There's so many ways that humans show up in the world that I wasn't exposed to. So, therefore, I was able to grow up with a level of ignorance that I think allowing someone to come in and read to young people in drag, it demystifies, it makes it unscary, they can ask questions, et cetera, um, to understand. And that's, that's all about evolution. That's about learning. It's about growing. It's about evolving. And what I hear people saying is, you know, Oh, it's an agenda. It's the gay agenda and all these things about, like, if a young person sees that, then they think it's okay. That mindset in itself is oppressive. It, it's, it's oppressive and, it's, and it's, it's wrong because it's rooted in fear and ignorance, first of all. The idea that a young person is just all of a sudden going to choose that because they see it and not choose the other representations that they see dominating their, their life, which is heteronormativity. That's what dominates. So why all of a sudden it's just I'm, I'm not going. You know where I'm going. I'm sure all the listeners. Let me let me let me, let me jump in real quick, right quick, just to just just to the dialogue through this nuance part. So let let me jump in on this part, and I want you to finish what you're saying though. So I think some people's pushback is what you said from the standpoint of, and I love how you how you um, couched it from the standpoint of the like you said to think that they're going to choose that over everything else they see. So I love what you're saying. I think that's very fair. I just want to highlight this and hear your thoughts to this. So for me, who has some of this pushback, I can admit that, right? But my pushback isn't that I think it's going to make them choose it. That's not the pushback. And, I, and, and when I dialogue with more people who think like me, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just highlighting that the pushback isn't like, for example, like the term gay agenda, right? Like in my mind, and a lot of people who feel as I do, we're not thinking that the gay agenda is going to turn someone gay. So a lot of times people kind of push back as if we're ignorant to the idea that this is going to turn someone gay. So that's not the thought at all. I just want to, I just want to clarify that. Here's what the thought is, and I want you to continue your thought at this point. So what the thought is is that you, in a sense, in our minds, I think want you know, kind of being rooted in the adult childhood thing, I think that once as an adult, you're going to choose what's normal and yours right to do anyway. And so in my mind and other, some, some others who feel like as I do, it's that's what they're going to figure out through their puberty and through their adulthood anyway. And so why should there be an effort to explore, in my, in my opinion, any ideas of sexuality and gender as well at such a young age, you're going to be exposed to that in the real world 
and you're going to make your decision anyway. That's what's been, in, a, in my mind, that's what's been happening in a sense forever. So I don't want it at public school. Go ahead. I just wanted to hide. I, I hope I made sense that I was pushing back on this idea that we think somebody's going to choose that over something else. It's more or less while we're exploring it at such a young age. I'm not trying to be right. I just want to push, just kind of get that nuance in there. Go ahead, King. Go ahead, um, Dr. Sundar. Yeah, so, so the blind spot in what you said is that is that uh, young people are exploring or being exposed to, again, heteronormativity every single day, standard, as the norm. So what happens is when you bring in a uh, transgender person who's dressed in jet and drag to read to young people, what that does is for those young people who are exploring and making sense of the world around them it says for the young people who are going to grow up to be cisgender and let's say heterosexual it says it signals to them that these people exist they're not outsiders they're not some type of enigma they exist Mm -hmm. they're 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 like me they're Mm -hmm. not scary they exist and Mm -hmm. what it signals to the young person that may be experiencing or who will develop to be transgender Mm -hmm. um it said it signals to them that I, there's people out there like me right. and it's okay to feel like I feel and I'm normal. But the that problem is what the blind spot for you and all those people who say that is mm-hmm. you're swimming in your normal all the time. Right. Every young person that makes is to grow up in your normal. Every young person is having to grow up in your normal. Right. So what that you makes- can't feel is so that the people that don't see the world through the lens of your normal, they're feeling they're looking around and feeling like outsiders. They're looking like they don't, they feel like they don't, they, you know, right. they, they don't so exist. They can add to the mental health. Of who they they are in the world. It can add to the mental health issues. Very much so. And that's exactly, it creates that, that dysmorphia. It does create that mental health issue. And, and it, it's hard. And that's why so many kill themselves, unfortunately, or get depressed right. or have that extreme anxiety. Sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause here, I want to say, I got, uh, that, um, uh, Brother Piyaki wants to get in. I'm going to get him in as well. But I want to say this before I let Brother Piyaki in. Because, yeah, 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 that, 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 I really understand what you're saying here. Uh, I know my, my first experience um, was, I think I was, a, I was a junior in high school, and I was running for National Beta Club president, if you ever heard of Beta Club or whatever. And it was held down in New Orleans. And so I was down on, what is it, Bourbon Street, I think I'm saying it right? You know, the real famous street down there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, yep. And so... I see this beautiful woman standing in a bar, you know, in the in the um, in the um, in the door of one of those bars or whatever. Just beautiful woman or whatever, and and I'm looking at her like, wow, you know, I'm a junior in high school, you know, hormones crazy, you know, I'm, and I'm still I'm in high school, so I can't go in none of the bars or anything. But she's standing in the bar or whatever, and I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. My teacher breaks down, that's not a woman or whatever, right. and. So you know, in New Orleans, they were they they they. In a, I'll say I'll use this word; it may be wrong, but they normalize that obviously on Bourbon Street. Not 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 saying that's what everybody's doing, but it's, it's you know just as you have a heteronormal bar, you'll have a transgender bar. You know what I mean? Or even a gay bar. Yeah. Like all those are on Bourbon Street. You know, one and the same. Like kind of like what you're kind of alluding to that in the world, the world could be this way if we wasn't operating from such a heteronormal normal normative situation, and so. That was my first exploration. So you're right. My blind spot has always been was, well, I figured it out on my own without it being in my school. 
Because like, usually I use my own one relative example to say, yeah, I was able to figure out that those people are normal. I don't have a problem with them or whatever. And I was like, but I didn't need that in my education to figure that out. That, that's that was, I, that's been say my one blind spot. That's been my blind spot. Please go ahead, bro. A lot of times I'll hear people with that mindset say, you know, I don't got nothing against the LGBTQ+, plus, but why they got to put it in our face? You know, why they got to do – and here's the thing. The people the, – another blind spot for you all is that heteronormativity, heteronormativity is in young people's face all the time, in schools and everywhere. They see what a man looks like, what a man dresses like. They see what a woman looks like, what a woman dresses like. In the stories they read, they see romance between, um, you know, heterosexual man and woman. You know, they see their teachers, the majority of them come into school with a husband or wife. That's in their face all the time. But no one pushes back against stories so, so that let me, promote. Let me throw this out real quick. Let me throw this out real quick, and I'm going to let Brother Turkey come in. So mm-hmm. now can, can, you, can you at least understand from a societal standpoint and from the idea of, you know, the idea of, you know, re- reproducing your society that, yeah, there's not going to be a pushback on heteronormative because – that is, in a sense, based on the survival of the species. Now, I'm not highlighting. We just hit 8 billion people, so I don't like to talk in extremes. So I don't want nobody to hear me saying this as if, oh, if this becomes normal, we're not going to survive as a species. We just hit 8 billion people. So I'm not speaking in an extreme, but I am highlighting that historically, I, the reason you're not going to have to push back on the heteronormal stuff is because it was related, that they're going to highlight and push anything that helps the society survive. So that's why I think you see it in policy and in education. One thought to that, if you don't mind, if you hear the nuance that I'm trying to bring here, I'm not talking about an extreme. The, the one thought is I know a lot of LGBTQ plus people who have children, and I'll leave it at that. It happens all the time. No, that's fair. I love it. I love it. Uh, Brother P, I don't want to cut you short. So uh, I'm going to um, give Latrice a one-minute thought. going to go to break. Come to Brother Piaki and let Latrice jump in on this conversation as well. Um, go ahead, Latrice. One minute, if you can keep it at one minute. I'm going to try to keep it at one minute, but, you know. So. Well, well, yeah, just, do, just do part of your thought and let you do the rest of it. All right. That's what I'm doing. So acceptance and tolerance is one of the reasons why it's important that this happen. So I'm going to say that part of work I do, I talk about how we have a generation of folks who've been raised to be colorblind, and so that's why we have – the, the situation that we do now with mm-hmm. race relations because all these folks have been taught not to see race. And so now they don't see race. They also don't see the oppression that comes along with being a black person. We're doing the same thing with this community right. of people. I'll leave it there. Now, that we get. now that's a yeah, great, great thought. Great to get you less than one minute. All right, we'll be right back. And I'll get Brother Pianchi coming out of the break, listening to the Mental Dialogue talk show where all I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. 
7922. Well, that was very clearly Macy Gray's honestly held opinion. It's what she actually thinks. But I warned her that she would face a backlash, and so she did. In fact, the retribution was as vile as it was predictable. She was bombarded with torrents of vicious abuse online and branded an ignorant bigot and a transphobe. Rolling Stone magazine, to their shame, called her hateful before hysterically claiming her rhetoric could have deadly consequences. Now, remember what Macy Gray's crime was. She just said that a woman is a human being with boobs and a vagina. Yet that apparently will spark deadly consequences. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, one of the very few public figures who has the nerve to face down this noxious mob, came to her defence and quipped that she would buy Macy Gray's back catalogue. Macy Gray herself initially stood by her right to the opinion she expressed, posting this, all of you threatening and calling me names because I said something you don't agree with, be whatever you want to be and bleep off. Well, good for her. But unfortunately, her resolve didn't last very long. Sadly, the mob rules and their abuse intensified and Macy eventually caved. Just one day later, she went on NBC's Today programme in America to issue effectively a groveling mea culpa. You were on the Piers Morgan show and there was a question about trans women. I, I think that if you, in your heart, feel that that's what you are, then that's what you are, regardless of what anybody says hmm. or thinks. But yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a lot, okay. absolutely. Right. And I'm glad I did. Have you, Macy? What have you really learned other than the mob rules? That's the way it works these days, isn't it? You pander to the woke brigade or you'd be damned forever. And for those people who think this is all trivial culture war stuff, a peculiar obsession of people who spend too much time on Twitter, we'll take a look at this post from J.K. Rowling yesterday when she talked about the impact that it's had on her, this cancel culture. Endless death and rape threats, threats of loss of livelihood, employers targeted, physical harassment, family address posted online with picture of bomb-making manual, aren't mean comments. If you don't yet understand what happens to women who stand up on this issue, back off. That's happened to her, it's happened to many other women who've tried to stand up for women's rights. That's why this is so serious. It's why women are scared to stand up for women. It's why Macy Gray has backed down. They're bullied and abused until they cave. And this is what the so-called inclusive, be-kind liberals are like in real Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, as well as special guest Dr. Sanjata. I discuss your question, LGBTQIA+. How many letters do we need? If you want to get in on the discussion, the number is 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. I see more callers out there. Hope you're listening. You have to press 1. Some people Miss that part. You're not coming on just because you're on the line. I have people listening that way. You have to press one. I got Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis wanting to give us history since. All right, Brother Pianchi, you're live on the air. Thanks for calling in, King. Well, you know, one thing about this whole, what we're seeing new, these attacks on children from one end of the spectrum to the other. But the key thing, Montoya, is this. That's the parents' child and like myself parents don't want their children engaging in that sort of activity 
or even so, don't want their children to be included in that environment. And, you know, it just mystifies me. There was a time when blacks didn't want their daughters playing with white baby dolls. What happened to that? Was that a parent's choice? And now you got these incidents where parents show up at school board meetings and start expressing their refusal of such things as being levied at them and their children. Now they're labeled as terrorists and removed from the school board meeting. No, I think that parents, what they need to do is start asserting their rights and those that want to include something for their children, if you don't want it, then there's a proper way to alleviate their problem. I don't want my child attending a session with that sort of individual and really don't want them teaching my kids. That's my choice. My child, my choice. All right, thank you for your thoughts, um, Brother Pianchi. Let me say this, and um, Latrice will go back to you. In, in, in reference to what Brother Pianchi is saying, I had a friend recently, I watched her IG live, um, kind of along the lines of what I'm hearing Brother Pianchi say, was um, she took her child out of public school, partly due, a big part of the reason, because I want to be fair to her, a big part of the reason was just really disappointed at how the schools handled you know, her children during the pandemic just really wasn't prepared for it. And so she was like, I think I could do better than what I'm seeing here. But her ultimate decision for, for re- the reason why, in addition to all of those things that she was not happy with, she she also highlighted that her daughter was having to explore um, one of her classmates that had been in her class. I think she was in maybe first grade or six years old, so I think it was maybe first, maybe six, maybe second grade. She was in going, she was in the second grade. So one of her classmates, she had been, they kind of been in the same classes for all those years, was a boy, and now they were having to explore calling that boy a girl. And for her, her choice was, I don't want my child to deal with that. Um, and like I say, a lot of the points y'all made prior, before the break are making sense to me personally. Um, but Latrice, what would be your dialogue? Um, do you agree with her making that decision? Is that extreme? Is that not understanding? Because I hear y'all loud and clear, and I don't absolutely don't disagree that we're constantly exposed to. I think I'm saying it right, heteronormative stuff. So we don't even see it as a reason to push back. I just highlighted, you know, that's kind of historical and political reasons for it to a degree, but now we're in this new world where these things are having to be explored, and I think I hear Brother Piaki saying, hey, I would choose not to have my child around that. Um, is that a fair thought for Brother Piaki, for that sister who took her child out? Do y'all think that's fair versus trying to allow more exposure to make these things more normal? Because normal? Y'all, y'all argument is making sense to me. Uh, but what's your dialogue to the parent who says, you know what, I'll just pull my parent out? Do you agree or disagree with that? Or is that just simply everyone's right, in your opinion, Latrice? So I agree that it, it's her right to do that. In doing so, she's going to create potentially a child that that grows into an adult who's intolerant and unaccepting of differences. How long ago was it when black people were not allowed to sit in the classroom with white people? where a black person reading to a classroom of white students would have been unheard of and parents would have pulled their kids out of the school for that very same reason. So we, we, we forget how mm-hmm. far we've come as a community of people 
and we are dispensing that same type of marginalization onto another community simply because we don't understand and because of the way that we were raised to view it as abnormal. And Mm. we are unaccepting and intolerant of differences. What they're doing with the Drag Queen Story Hour is they're teaching kids acceptance. They're teaching them about diversity. They're teaching them about inclusion. They're teaching them about you don't have to be this, but respect others' right to be this. And we're also teaching them about self-esteem because if you are one of those kids who may be who may be questioning their their sexual their, their gender identity right now, then seeing someone that is full of confidence and self-esteem and who they are authentically are would empower them to to deal to be who they authentically are. Not saying that I'm going to to make someone else choose this path that's not authentically theirs. So yeah, it's their right to do that. But it wasn't so long ago, and there are still people who believe today that black people don't belong in the same, black kids don't belong in the same same classroom with white kids. So it's no different. Um, one of the things that Dr. Sundaita um, brought up was about th- there being um, envelopes in the heteronormative. And I, I compare it to recently, I, I, was in part, I was a part of a dialogue with starting employee resource groups or affinity groups. And so someone wanted to know why they didn't have a white affinity group. Well, because the whole, the whole organization is your affinity group. Look around. The organization is, is you know, there, there are 20 black people in this company of 800. So the whole company is your employee resource group. And that came to mind because they were upset because we're starting this affinity group for black people, mm-hmm. and they wanted one of their own, never recognizing that the normal day-to-day is your affinity group. You don't right. deal with the microaggressions. You don't deal with all of the things that those folks from historically excluded groups deal with. So, yeah, it is a parent's right, but what are they doing? What types of children are they raising? Are they being raised to be tolerant? Are they being raised to be accepting of differences? Are they raised to be to be able to live who they authentically are? Now it makes sense. Um, we got another caller as well. Um, but what you just talked about reminds me. I remember the time I was on um, Dr. Sanjata's broadcast, and I'm pretty sure he'll remember this. Was when he and I were kind of explaining when Black Lives Matter was kind of kind of getting kind of making their foothold, and he and I think he and I both agreed. Um, had Black Lives Matter's low, um, motto have been Black Lives Mo- Matter too, we would have gotten rid of a lot of the disdain that they're still afforded to them right now if if that too was added because that's absolutely what it meant, right? But since mm-hmm. it didn't have the two on it, it created the same type of discard that you're talking about within that company. Um, quick point on that, so I, and I'll get – Get to a caller. I know you got some more thoughts, Dr. Sajara, but I want to take care of this caller. But just because I, again, remember coming on your show with a very similar issue, so a lot of this is making sense to me. Just a quick thought on us doing that show, and then I'll get your further thoughts after the caller. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that show. And, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you just wanted me to comment on that show because, of course, I wanted to say something about yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. I want to let you get to it. I'm just going to jump to another caller because we've got a couple minutes, and I don't want to cut your thoughts. Okay. Let me get to the caller. 
Uh, area code 214 Half Street 987. You're definitely driving a ride. It's a little bit bad with it. Give us a three sixty for more. What's up, fam? This is Jay Guy. Oh, it's really hard to hear. Can you hear me? Yes, real hard to hear. Okay, hold on. Hold on, let me drop you off this. Okay, now I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, well, yeah. Keep doing whatever you're doing, because we can hear you now. You got about a minute and a half. I can keep going after the two if we need to. Okay, cool. I'm on the line. Okay, look. So, um, there's so many layers to this. I'll, I'll address two of the two two things that stand out for me. Um, I disagree and dislike the comparison of homosexuality and racism. Um, I disagree with the mandate to be required, you know, to 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 agree. You know, like every time somebody you can talk about anything other than homosexuality, you do that, then it's like you're blackballed. So I disagree with that notion. Like the girl said, okay, I can, I don't do do you, but I disagree. This is my my perspective of it, and it should just be that simple. Versus it being like a huge controversy over how somebody feels about something. That's one, okay. Um, two, as far as I mean, now I'm on I'm on a whole another something. I I don't see a sexual preference and racism running parallel. I don't think there should be a Black Lives Matter and then the LGBTQ matters too. Let's just talk about the confusion in that. There's always a new letter. So it's like they're still figuring out what goes under the umbrella. You know what I'm saying? And every time something steps outside of those letters, then we're adding another one. You know what I'm saying? So in that, it's still working itself out. And so I don't think, like, if you, you opt into, um, I mean, and the other side of that is the notion that we could teach homosexuality in school but take trades out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it trumps trades in school. That's no longer being taught. I don't think I missed what you said. Take what out? taking trades out of school. You know how we used to have trades in school? That's no longer a thing now. You know, life skills, home ec, those things are no longer. Oh, trades. I say that again. You. I just didn't understand you. I'm sorry. Okay, taking trades out. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Yeah, taking trades out, life skill classes like home ec and stuff, those are things we've been petitioning to get back in. Right. But those things cannot be placed in school, yet we could teach homosexuality because we all need to understand it a certain way. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I disagree with, like, all of that. You know, hey, sexual well, preference has nothing to do with racism. Right, you know, I now I get the notion of prejudice and discrimination, but that's not racism. So no, no, that, that's two different categories. So, okay, you can uh, be prejudiced, love, you can no, be discriminative in comparison. Yeah, let me jump in. Let me jump in. I got to go to break. I'm going to keep you on. We're going to go to Dr. Sanjata to respond to uh, Brother Piyaki and probably yourself as well. And we'll keep you on for the last segment. Just the dialogue is out. Yeah, very interesting. As well. No, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to just do the best we can as the last segment, but I do got to go to this break and I'm going to play another cut. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. 
But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Disrespect to black women. You just did. That was a joke. That was a I joke. know, I know, I know, I know. Can you, can you, do people understand the context of jokes anymore? Frank? No. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And when you say something that offends everyone, they want to cancel everything. Let's 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 talk about the cancellation of Lil Boosie. I mean, shit, not Lil Boosie, of uh, the baby last week. Yes. First of all, the baby is not my demographic. I'm 55. The baby is 29. Mm-hmm. His music, I never knew his music. I never knew who the baby was mm-hmm. until all of the controversy. Mm-hmm. But then let's break it down and take it to the context. The baby was on stage. Yeah, we are all live performers. We are all in this room have been on stage with live theater. Sometimes you have an audience and you have a microphone and it gets away from you. The difference is at 50, you know when to bring it back or how to bring it back. Mm-hmm. At 29, maybe he didn't. Mm-hmm. So maybe his words got away from him, but he didn't say if you was black and gay, put your phone up, or if you were white and gay, put your phone up. He didn't say if you was gay and got AIDS, put your phone up. He just said if you don't have HIV or AIDS, put your phone up. If your pussy don't taste like water, put your phone up. If you ain't in the parking lot sucking a dick, put your phone up. A hit dog will holler. He wasn't talking to me. I just like I don't know who the baby is. The baby probably don't know who Flame is. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take offense to that because I'm like, y'all canceling everything. But where's the black man's caucus at to surround this young brother and say, hey, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Let us teach you mm-hmm. so you don't make this mistake again mm-hmm. as opposed to snatching everything away. And then all these celebrities jumping on it. And Madonna, I'm a huge Madonna fan. Mm-hmm. Madonna created envelopes in the 80s to push, including mm-hmm. on my knees in front of a black man burning a cross in like a prayer. That's she right. did that shit now. They bid her house burning it down. Mm-hmm. But it was a different time. But don't uh, take everything from this young man and don't teach him. Well, so I, he don't make I will say people have tried to approach him because they did have, um, it was 11 different LGBTQ plus organizations that were like, hey, we'd love to sit down with you. To he didn't need to be spoken to by LGBTQ And then it was Miley Cyrus. It was also. Um, Another was, LGBTQ organization. It was a few different people. And I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, if he is having conversations. Lauren Hogan, who works on, they, on uh, Laugh and Learn with me, my partner, my manager, the HF reached out to him to do something, but it was just too controversial at the time because they wanted to bring him up for World AIDS Day. I don't know if that's what it's going to take to mend the fences because everything we're going to take, everything and be offended by, we can't be offended by everything that somebody says mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Even when- Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Latrice Ross, special guest, Dr. Sinjata, for this morning's discussion question, LGBTQIA, how many letters do we need? That cut from Flame Monroe, another, again, a transgender uh, woman. Again, that's how I'll categorize her on The Breakfast Club, giving her thoughts to the very controversial comments by uh, Little Baby. I think it falls a little in line with some of what Jendaya is alluding to here. Um, To be fair um, to... um, Latrice and Dr. Shadad, I just want to say this to you, Jindal. We're going to go to um, Latrice first, but I just want to say to be fair to them, um, neither one of them have pushed or said, um, you know, demand that you be pushed out. They said it's your right to kind of make your choice not to have your child around. So they're not in the, if, at least the way I'm understanding both of them, they wouldn't be in the council culture aspect. They don't come from that direction, even though 
that it has to be part of the dialogue, like even with Macy Gray, what Pierce Morgan was saying, that there is obviously extremes within the culture where they will even threaten your life, as J.K. Rollins was talking about, if you will. Um, But either way, um, go ahead. um, um, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to go to Dr. Sajada first. Go ahead, Dr. Sajada. Sorry. Yeah, so in reference to – was it desire, I believe, and also, you know, Pianchi's comments about taking a child out. Um, you know, I come from a place of, I, I think that in order to get to a, a place where we can be, like, I'm, I'm like Latrice, but she said, you know, I guess this, this beautiful world where everyone gets along. <laughs> I think it's possible. I think if we have values-based relationships. So for me, I would want to start on, like, what are your values? You know, do you value something like tolerance, empathy, and agency? And if you value tolerance, empathy, and agency, I would just want for you to own it. Or let me, let me even go further. Do you value some of the country's foundational principles like, you know, um, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all? Like, so I want to have a values-based conversation. If we can align somewhere on some of those values, then I would say, do you realize that your actions go against those values? And if you do and you own it, then we're good. I just want you to own it. It's like, just like I want someone who, I would just want you to own it. Like I would want, um, you know, of someone who is prejudiced because of my, my race or ethnicity, you know, to own it instead of dancing around it. Just own it. And if you're owning that I am biased, I am prejudiced, prejudiced against those people, and that's why I want to take my child out, cool. I know where you stand. But I'm never going to say, you know, you're, you, you're wrong for making that decision. I would just say we are misaligned in terms of our values. And – you know, so and then from there, um, I just want to speak to what Desire said around the whole letters and everything with LGBTQ plus, and they're still figuring out. Again, I just want to know, like, do you want people to accept you for who you are? Do you want your experiences to be, you know, um, the way you see the world, the way you show up in the world? Do you want all those things to be understood, respected, et cetera? And if as you come into new understandings about yourself, you know, do you want that to be respected? And if the answer is yes, then I would ask then why can't these people have the same? And realizing that the only reason why these letters keep unfolding is because these people have been erased for so long. They've had to hide their identity. And it's just becoming safer as we create these environments, we create these, you know, these conditions for them to say, hey, here I am, and this is how I experience the world. Then for me, it's as long as it takes, no matter how many letters, who cares? I'm learning. I'm here for it. The same way that I expect people to be here for when I express these things about myself and what I need to be safe as a person of African descent who's been marginalized in this country for, for centuries and decades, I mean, for centuries. So the reason, and I'll, I'll stop with this, the reason why is often, you know, people like myself and, and Latrice will also will often compare the experiences of LGBTQ plus with people of African descent who are descendants of enslaved Africans in this country is because the underlying thread of the oppressions that both groups have, have experienced are the same. It's the same patterns, the same, again, within the same, you know, prejudices, biases, et cetera. Because every time African-Americans step up another rung on the ladder and say, I want to self-actualize in this way in order to feel normal, when we, you know, people push back. You know, people of European descent push back because it goes against their norms. So they're constantly pushing back. Why do we need this? Why do we need to have uh, Black History Month? Why do we need to celebrate Juneteenth now? Like, you know, we see it and hear it all the time as, as people of African descent because it's going against their norms. 
So it's like literally it's the same pattern when LGBTQ plus say we want to be recognized for this, which has been erased for so long. So I'll, uh, I'll let me go to. Not a good. Let me do before you jump in, Latrice. I want to give her a chance to respond directly since he kind of said something to her. And so, did I, let me just give a little framework of since we have at least two people who are not doing the cancel if you disagree because you use that word disagree. And and I just want to highlight that even Dr. Sanjata said, hey, if you're owning that you disagree, that's fine too. So since they're not canceling you. If we leave that part out, how do you respond to just that direct question of uh, what he kind of said? Hey, this lines up in the same way, so that's why you see the the comparison and what else he said. Um, your thoughts, Jendai? Let me bring you back live. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah. So one, I um, none of that changes what I just said. Uh, in regards to the, the cancellation culture, in regards to I completely get the prejudice, you are welcome to be you and do it your way. I don't agree with how I feel homosexuality, well, not even I feel, but what is being present, is that the, the needs of this has trumped racism. You know what I'm saying? Because those words are so interchangeable. When one is one is more so the same than the other one, but one is not getting that same attention that the other one is getting. Okay, so that for me, mm, not so much. I don't, I don't, so I don't agree with with that back and forth either. I have my my value system is intact. I I don't go against anybody who wants to do what they want to do the way they want to do it. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? But again, doesn't mean that I have to agree with it. Period. And I don't think that means I need to go to counseling. I need to have a better understanding of this or that. Yeah, I'm well, clear about it. Yeah, 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 they're allowing you these at least the two on this conversation. They are allowing that part, so I didn't want to delve into that too deeply. Since but it sounds to me he's saying that if I don't do it this way, if it is not agreed upon this way, that well, I am against this, something, and I'm not. But Okay, um, I'll let Latrice kind of give us just a few minutes here. Thank you for jumping in very much, Queen, because, again, I wish you would have jumped in earlier so we could even dialogue through this even more. Again, I'm just here to do the dialogue, listen and learn, um, but thank you for your Indeed. three sisters. And I appreciate you very much, Queen. All right. All right, Latrice, you got two and a half minutes. You're, you do this for a living, so I'm going to let you do it. All right. So as far as anyone who disagrees with any perspective I have, everyone is entitled to their perspective. My issue comes into play is when you try to sell off that opinion as fact. I use data to inform my perspective. So nothing that I say, I try not to delve into my opinion too much because that's strictly mine. It's not backed up by any scientific method. I'm reading a book now called The Joy of Science, and it talks about, it, it, it's actually talking about how to engage in social issues from a scientific perspective. Um, it's science. And the second point that it, this book makes is examine your own biases before challenging those of others. Uh, the third is things aren't always as simple as we'd like them to be. Um, it's okay to disagree, and we should be and we should do that without being disagreeable. And that's my stance on disagreeing. Just you can, anyone can disagree with me. Just do so without being disagreeable, meaning that it doesn't have to, to dive, digress into being ugly. And number five is the scientific understanding of the world is not only empowering, but it's also enriching to our lives, which is why I, lend, I, I inform my perspective using science. So, um, and I'd also like to end also with just talking about civil rights, which are the rights of citizens to political and social freedom and equality. And this encompasses any group that is marginalized, whether they be women, 
whether they be um, folks who are under, you know, not the normal religion, um, folks are who are um, of a different race, um, sexual orientation, et cetera. Um, it may seem that the LGBTQ plus community does get a lot of things that, that black folks don't get, but when we, when we slice up or open up the LGBTQ plus community, they have the same race dynamics that we do in, in the, the, mm-hmm. the straight community meaning that there is a lot of, of de- oppression within the LGBTQ plus community for black and brown folks. And so there are so many similarities that it's difficult not to, ta- not to have these dialogues um, and have people understand the similarities that exist within that community as well as with the black community. I'm not ever trying to change anyone's perspective. I'm laying out the data. You choose to do with it what you want to do. I love it. Dr. Sajada, how can they stay in contact with you, brother? And we out of here. Growdialogue.com. Uh, you can find every a lot of podcasts, everything there, as well as on uh, social. I'm at at Sunjada underscore. I'm sorry. At, I just changed it. At, Sunja, at Sunjada underscore Sunlion on IG and um, at Dr. Sunjada, at Dr. Sunjada everywhere else. No, I love it. August 19th, the Mental Dialogue Live Experience is back. If you're in Atlanta, or as I say, the live experience is black. So if you are in Atlanta, August 19th, the smartest event returns 7 p.m. at Taste Restaurant. We will be advertising very heavily in the month of August. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. <laughs>